Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. G'day everyone, we're on a podcast now, but my media career started on The Renovators. Since then, I've met some incredibly interesting people, some incredibly talented people, and as well as that, I've made some amazing friendships. One friendship is with Sam Mack, the weather guy from now, Channel 7. Uh, Literally one of the first celebrities I ever met, and he was only a half a celebrity then because he was working on behind the scenes. And I didn't even know what in front of the scenes was back then, but uh, I don't know what it was, but we hooked up and today we're in his house and we're going to have a chat. So, Sam Mack, thanks for joining me on Hammer at Home. Thank you very much, Baz, for that fantastic introduction and I'm delighted to say that I'm now three quarters a celebrity. So, (laughs) you know, things have really progressed in that last seven or eight years. Mate, you're a hell of a celebrity now. You're actually out for the Gold Logie uh, 2009 and we'll get to that. But what I'm really interested, uh, I know a lot about you, uh, the idiosyncrasies of you and, uh, and, and your personality, but what were you like as a little fella? Tell me the Sam Mack story as a kid. Well, as a kid, I was obsessed with soccer. So I played pretty competitively from the age of four or five, training almost every day. And my dream, my goal for life was to become a professional soccer player, to play for Manchester United. So, And I was completely serious about that. I'm sorry, that's my cat meowing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> You're definitely at my house. That's proof that we're at my house. Coco is not happy unless she's the centre of attention. That's right. Coco yeah. is one of my two rescue cats. I'm sure we'll get to that later on. Yeah. But yeah, wanted to be a professional soccer player. Um, played at a reasonable level. Was getting paid to play. Just didn't quite get to that level where it was a full-time career. So around the age of 17, 18, I started to really focus on media as well. But as a kid, I was always interested in making little videos. Um, making, I made a fake newsletter about parents, you know, my friends and their parents and really? like a little satire magazine. So I was always making things, very creative kid. Um, but I think only around sort of 16, 17, 18, I started to realize that the media side of things and that creativity could be something I could pursue as a career. I'm finding that a really mature decision for a 16, 17 year old. I mean, I, I wasn't good at footy at all, but I thought I could be a professional and I could never have made that decision at 16. I, I thought there was always a chance I'd make it. In fact, come around footy final season, I still have the boots ready in case I get the call up. And, uh, and I think the best I played was B grade for Moorbank Ramps. Right. But how? Do, I mean, that's a mature decision. At 16, you realise as much as you were passionate and loved soccer or football and were pretty good, you were being paid at that mm. age, you weren't going to make it, so you needed to find something else. Yeah, I th- I think what made that decision easier was I was really interested in media. So I was already making little videos. I was making fake radio shows. Like I said, I was making newsletters. So it wasn't like it was completely out of nowhere. I was while I was obsessed with soccer at school. Whenever I was doing projects, instead of doing a written report like a one thousand five hundred words, I would actually go to the teacher and say 
can I do that as a video? And I would be the only person in the class who would ask for that. And they would say, well, as long as you tick off the, you know, what's required for the assessment, sure. And then I'd go and do a video, we'd show it in front of the whole class and I'd get extra points because I'd gone to the effort of making a video and it was something interesting and, and I think the, the audience invo involved enjoyed it. And so I realized that, um, that, I guess that was something at school that I realized to just ask a question. If you want to do something, just hit someone up, go mm. to the teacher and say, hey, can I do it like this? And it, the worst I can say is no. The best I can say is sure. And then rather than doing a boring written assessment, which I would have you know, not enjoyed, suddenly I'm making videos, which I loved. Mm, I love what you've just said. I mean, there was so much about school that I didn't love because I was dyslexic and, and I just didn't comprehend the way I did. Back in my day, it wasn't even called the radio, it was called the wireless. <laughs> was your teacher or was your school a really progressive school to allow that to happen? I don't think that it was particularly progressive. I, I just think that I had a few good teachers and good teachers make the world a difference. I'm sure people listening to your podcast can think of a teacher that, that played a pretty instrumental part in their life, just like that. They remember their name, they remember everything about them, they remember interactions they had with them in class. And so it's such a formative time of your life that if you have that positive reinforcement, if you have that teacher who says, hey, Sam, that was a great video, you can do that for the next one, next assessment, then that's building your confidence as a young kid and you start to think, oh, maybe I can do more of this. You've just said something that's really going to resonate with me because no, I don't have one single teacher that had that effect on me. Is that right? And as you know, I'm very um, interested in the, uh, the built environment around the education of and development of children. And you're saying it so passionately and you, 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 you recognise your own talent and so do teachers and you've got these, I guess, mentors mm. and people that have influenced you and school influenced you clearly and it did nothing for me. That's a great discussion for another time, I so guess. So what, what was it about that, that did nothing for you? Do you mean, is, is this something that was related to your behaviour and where you were at as a kid? Or is it, is it something, this particular school that you went to, you just don't think that they offered up good... Because a lot of time at school, at that age, people are angry at the system, particularly young boys. Yeah. They're like, oh, that's, that's bullshit. Oh, I disagree with that. Everything's wrong and everyone's tired and grumpy and going through puberty and they're angry at the world. Mm, but... Mm. Um, I've certainly found, and you know, chatting with my mates, most of them at least had one or two of those teachers that were a bit of a light, and, mm. and they remember that, and they're very grateful for that. I'm a bit, I, you know, I've sort of self-analyzed here. Uh, I'm a big believer that the built environment has such an influence on us. Now, I me, mean, I'm a creative. There's no doubt about that, and that creative, that space, uh, that educational space in those days was just terrible. Was it? And uh, yeah, I mean, well, the, the, the mountables of the day. Uh, uh, as what my classrooms were way back then. And yeah. I was that kid that was always staring out the window. That's where I wanted to be. I didn't yeah. want to be stuck in this room. They were telling me to read stuff that I didn't understand anyway. I definitely didn't comprehend it. I mean, as you know, you, uh, we've been friends for a long time. Mm. I still don't read and write very yeah. well. Uh, but just, yeah, anyway, we won't go on for that too long. But no, there was not one teacher in my life that had an influence on me. It was after that where I could use my hands and, and prove myself in other areas where I started to find my mentors. Adelaide, it is a place I love. What was it like for you growing up there? I love Adelaide. Um, I definitely knew that I needed to leave Adelaide. And yeah. again, I worked that out pretty early. Um, I think early 20s, I knew that I needed to leave um, to do what I wanted to do, which was media. And the types of media jobs, radio shows, TV shows that I wanted to work on, they just didn't exist in Adelaide. It was either Sydney or Melbourne. So yeah, I, I knew that I had to leave. And I think I was around 24 23, 24 when I moved to Sydney. But people from Adelaide are very proud of being from Adelaide. Yeah. Uh, 
people from Adelaide feel a little bit hard done by when we miss out on the latest Pink concert. You know, <laughs> they'll be like, why isn't she coming here? People get really wound up about that. Mostly because only 80 people could turn out. <laughs> that was Baz who said that. I mean, it's, it's at least 100 now. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very fond of my Adelaide upbringing and I get back a lot. You know, I'm, I'm lucky with work. Lucky and unlucky, I'm constantly travelling. Yeah. So I'm in Adelaide every five or six weeks. You are constantly travelling. Uh, Sydney, Melbourne, the East Coast is the place if you want to make it in media. Why did you choose Sydney? Uh, I chose Sydney because an opportunity came up to host a nighttime radio show, which was out of Sydney, which was a national radio show. Um, I would have very happily gone to Melbourne as well. I love them both. Um, and I actually had to go to Perth, though, for a couple of years I just knew it reached a point where I'd done a couple of years in Sydney and Sydney's a tough market to crack and mm. it was it was going well enough. I was getting by, but I knew that if I really wanted to go to the next step, I had to have my own breakfast show, had host, host a full-time FM breakfast show and I just wasn't going to get that in Sydney or Melbourne yet. So I went to Perth and did that for three years and it was a really good decision. Got any nightmares from any of those stories? <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to my show, yeah, <laughs> most of the most of the segments. Um Oh, look, we, we had people, um, you know, well, there was once a part of my job was to do prank calls. So oh, this that's is right. in, I remember in that. Perth. Yeah, and yeah. there was once <laughs> where I did a prank call um, pretending to be a, a police officer with no knowledge that it was actually illegal to impersonate a police officer. You I do just... look like a police officer. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't even consider the fact that this was illegal. And I did this prank call, thought it was great to go. We recorded them, thankfully. And I'm about to leave the station. This is in Perth. About to walk out the door. Then the police rock up at the radio station. And they're like, we're here to see Sam back. And I'm thinking, oh, a classic radio station stunt. Oh, they're doing a stitch up. Where's the hidden camera? Oh. And they're like, did you just call such and such and say that you were Officer Blah from the Subiaco police station? I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's just a gotcha call. It'll be on tomorrow at 10 past eight. They're like, no, it won't. Nah. <laughs> So the gotcha was on me. Yeah, I love it. We, we, uh, we've met some great characters, both you and I. Who's your favourite character or favourite celebrity or favourite human you've met since you've been in the media? It's really hard because I could no. name 10. No. <laughs> it's not that hard, Sam. I it's mean, a tiny room. <laughs> yeah. Steph has been amazing. No, um, obviously, um, like you were saying at the start of the chat today, you know, the... You do meet a lot of people in, in media and the friendship thing is something which is so much more valuable. And mm. it's quite funny. I find I find that I know the people in media that I want to be friends with very, very quickly. I don't know if you're the same, but I, once I'm chatting to someone, even if it's for a segment, I can sort of get a feel for someone pretty quickly. And I, and I instantly liked you, didn't know anything about you. Mm. I'm like, who's this old mate with the long flowing silver <laughs> mullet? Like, I would just want to talk to him about his hair. His hair should be in the Australian Television Hall of Fame, even though he's only been on TV for eight minutes. And I'm chatting with you. We made that the focus of the segment, no, I remember which it, was yeah. a behind the scenes segment for the Project TV on The Renovators, which was the show that kind of started your TV career, I yeah. guess. And from there, I just remember, um, you know, I was at Channel 10 around that time. My, Guys like Matt Doran, who was at Channel 10, and um, you know Scott Tweedy, Chris Brown, these guys. We were all friends, but I remember whenever we'd hang out with you, we would just hang on every word of these stories that you would tell <laughs> about when you were a builder and like the ladies used to hit on you. I mean, they were probably bullshit, but uh, <laughs> but we loved the Barry Dubois stories. You never let the facts get in the way of a good story. Yeah, you <laughs> almost became uh, like a this mythical figure of like Barry has like I, I've known you for let's say seven or eight years now eight or nine, yeah. yeah we've spent a lot of time together we've spoken about almost every topic but I only found out 20 minutes ago before we started recording this that you were apparently a pro tennis player no I was a, <laughs> that I was, was a, a quote you I was said a tennis coach yeah I was a tennis see coach I didn't know that 
Yeah. What you did know and you recognised early back on the set of the renovators that I had a uh, decent uh, bouffant and uh, <laughs> you actually suggested that we made uh, a TV show on the wave in my air. You actually put that into, into effect. You've got an Instagram account for your cat, Coco, and doing better than my Instagram account. What, how did that come about? So I'm a big animal lover and I, I always have been ever since a kid, you know, having dogs or cats around the house. Um, and I've been lucky enough through work to, to team up with some really amazing organizations like the Sydney Dogs and Cats Home. I'm a passionate supporter of rescue animals because I think that um, rescue animals, a lot of them haven't actually had a chance to experience love. So mm -hmm. they either have been abused or they've been disregarded. They've been left, you know, Coco, for example, was found... At a, at a big house in Perth that no one had been living at for months and she was malnourished, skin and bones, was probably going to die if it had been another week or two. Mm. Thankfully, someone found her, heard her meowing, took her into the RSPCA and then fast forward a few months and, and she's mine. I've now had her for almost 10 years. So yeah. I just love that that story of rescue, how this animal can go from having nothing and not really being loved to now being Insta-famous. <laughs> yeah. And we get so much out of giving those animals love as well. I mean, yeah. I know in my family, our cat is the same. It's a big part of our, of our family. Absolutely. You're very passionate about your friendships, your family, your cat, and your incredibly hard worker. How do you manage, how do you manage to, to dish out the love so beautifully? I think that I manage... I manage the bits that matter to me the most pretty well. I don't manage the mundane very well. I'm, I'm hopeless when it comes to, you know, doing my tax return. Like it'll be four years and I'll do my tax return. I'm mm. hopeless when it comes to having the house in, in a decent order and having my clothes hung up properly. I'm, I'm not great in that area, but I'm good when it comes to, all right, have I planned what I'm going to do creatively for this segment? Have I organized, you know, this sketch that I want to do or this filming? I'm good in that area. I'm not great in the other. I think that's the simple answer. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. G'day, I'm Matt Burke, and available now is my brand new podcast, Talking Rugby with Me. During the Rugby World Cup, we'll be hitting the ground running as Network 10 brings you all the action and excitement from Japan. This is the rugby podcast you'll want to listen to, as we'll be having exclusive chats with players and coaching staff to give you an understanding of the Wallabies mindset during the tournament. Fun, lighthearted and entertaining. There's always time for a laugh. Then there's time to be serious. Talking Rugby with Matt Burke, available now. Lately, you've put a lot of thought into and and committed to a song about a half man, half cat. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so this is this is one of my favourite moments from my career. To be honest, the way that this came about was my producer Sean Flynn, the human emoji, who's produced me the whole time I've been on Sunrise. He said, "Look, let's do a thing where you release a children's single because I play guitar and play keyboard and love mucking around with music." And I said, "Yeah, fantastic idea." And then. He said, could we possibly look to get the Wiggles or High Five or Children's Entertainers involved? 
Anthony the Blue Wiggle mm. had slid into my DM a few times. Yeah, and, a good friend of both of us. Yeah, yeah. lovely guy, legend. And he, he said something to the effect of, hey, Sam, if you ever want to ha- come and have a jam down at Hot Potato Studios, uh-huh. just let me know. And I remember screenshotting and going, well, that's the greatest DM I'm ever going to receive. Thanks, Blue Wiggle. And so I mentioned it to Sean. I said, well, we're invited. Um, let's tee this up. So we went to Bella Vista. Uh, Hot Potato Studios. We spent a morning live on air with the Wiggles and we were basically announcing that they have a tour later in the year. But the day before it, I was a little bit hungover. I had a big Saturday night. It was a Sunday and I thought, I might never get to hang out with the Wiggles. So I'm going to actually write this song, take it in, perform it to them and get feedback. They know better than anyone. So I went in, did 30... 30 seconds of this half man, half cat song that I'd written. It's kind of autobiographical. (laughs) And they loved it. And Anthony said on the spot, he said, do you want to record that with us here today? So we recorded the song. The Wiggles did backing vocals. Half an hour later, we recorded the video clip because they've got studios set up there with green screens. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, I love it. Recorded the video clip. And later that day, I had an email, a contract for Wiggly Records. I signed with Wiggly Tunes and now it's on their YouTube channel. And skyrocketing, I it's believe. It's a couple of hundred thousand views. Uh, later this year, they're actually, they've invited me to perform at one of their live shows. So in front of 10,000 kids, I'll get to do this song. And it's, it's actually filled a void for me because I'm such a passionate music lover. And I think music is an area that I probably have either neglected a little bit or just haven't had time to pursue things. This has given me an opportunity to flex a bit of a music muscle and have fun with it. And it's, it's blown me away just... The, and I can see why and how the Wiggles have done it for so long now. The response you get from kids. Unreal. It's, yeah. I don't have kids. You know, I've got niece and nephew. But to see like mums who watch our show, dads taking photos and videos of their kids reacting to a song that I've written. Mm. It's something that I never expected to feel such joy from. But I really do. I really value it. And I think that it's, it's something that I'd like to do more of in the future. Uh, Anthony has even spoken about fleshing out this character. Do we do, we do videos for it? Yeah. So watch this space because uh, there could be some more Half Man, Half Cat content coming. I love that. <laughs> uh, speaking of Half Man, Half Cat and a little bit under the weather, the Logies this year. Mm. Wow. Yeah. What about your your appearance or, or your red carpet walk? Yeah. Your, your mum, Coco was there. Talk me through it. It was... Um, it could have very easily been a night. You know how, how those nights are. You guys obviously have won many for the living room and it, it, you can try to put it to the back of your mind, but the fact that you're nominated or the fact that your award is coming up in the next segment can kind of take over the night, I think, in patches. It's huge, yeah. Yeah, so, and particularly being up for the gold, which is at the end of the night, and it's the first time I've ever been nominated for one. So I'm really glad that I did it the way I did it because it took my focus off of that and it made it such a special night for my mum, who'd never even been to the Gold Coast before. She'd never been to a big awards night. So, you know, my sister took her dress shopping in Adelaide and yeah. she looked amazing. And she was, I was worried that she would be a little bit overwhelmed because, you know, particularly if you're nominated, there's photos, cameras everywhere. And she's never experienced that world. And that was part of why I wanted her to be there as well, to get a taste of what my world mm. can be like when I'm doing all this crazy TV stuff. But, um, she took to it so effortlessly. She was just in her element. She was walking up, hello, Pete Hellier, how are you? I'm Sam's mum. And he's yeah. like, hello, Mrs. Mac. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she just, anyone who won an award, she went over to get a photo with them. She had an amazing night and that made me, I almost lived vicariously through her because 
people can be a little bit cynical about TV industry sometimes, particularly people in TV can be like, oh, Logies, oh, whatever. I've never been like that. No. I love watching the Logies. I think it's great. I think it's all we have. So we should celebrate it. We yeah. should enjoy it. And we should celebrate the different u- unique personality types. And and I just, you know, seeing mum the first time she saw Delta Goodrum in real life. Incredible. Delta was sitting two tables away and mum's jaw dropped. She's like, oh, she's just stunning. I'm going to go tell her that she's beautiful. I said, <laughs> maybe wait to the next segment, mum, when there's a break. Um, yeah, so the Logies experience for me on so many levels was um, unforgettable. It, it Look, it would have been nice to win, but it doesn't matter. Like to be considered in the top six or seven TV people in Australia, I've only really been doing TV full time for about five or so years. Like it blows my mind and the wave of love that I felt from people who either voted for me, who, who wrote to me or who wrote to me after when I didn't win. I just felt this wave of love and yeah, it's something I'm really proud of and loved, loved it. Yeah. I mean, it talks to the caliber of you as a human as well though, mate. I mean, the, the simple fact that you've talked the whole way through this podcast about your family, how much they mean to you, how much your friends mean to you. I, I remember I'm a boy from the Western suburbs like you. We're very similar yeah. in, in a lot of respects. And uh, and when I was uh, about 26, I think, I was I was down the snow and I was going – I was actually in Europe. I was uh, skiing instructing yeah. in uh, in Maribel. Oh, there's in another France. one, the list of Barry Dubois achievements. Skiing After, instructor, tennis coach. Yeah. I remember going up the hill just looking back uh, down over Courchevel there, the airstrip, and I just said, I just I wish my mum could see this. Yeah. You know, because our mums, mums don't get to see those things, do they? Absolutely. And you beautifully in, involved her in the Logies, uh, the Logies that night. And I got, I said hello to her as oh, well. Oh, good. That night. It, was, it, it was amazing. And, well, uh, you're right. And that's something that I think you said, you said you were 26. I think I've only really clocked onto that, the importance of that properly in the last five years. Yeah. And so I guess one of the first times that I did something related to that was. Christmas three or four years ago, I surprised mum and dad. They're Irish. I surprised them with a trip back to Ireland. That's the first time they've been back since they moved to Australia for did Christmas. You, did you go with And them? I went with them oh. and I surprised them over there. And part of that was, I do feel a little bit of guilt that I don't spend a lot of time with them or quality time with them because I'm traveling and so busy and living in Sydney. And when I'm back, it's often we'll have an early dinner in, in Adelaide in the city. Yeah. I'll go to bed at eight o'clock. I'll do the show. Then I'll fly somewhere else the next day. So it's not really quality time. It's, it's on fast forward. So... Any opportunity to have the weekend with mum and take her to the Logies, go and experience a bit of island with them, mm-hmm. that is worth more than any other, any achievement that I could ever have in work that, that you know, far outweighs that. So I think it's something that I've improved and, and I'm getting better at um, making sure that I can make, I can plan those moments. That's something I can take control of and give them. Yeah, you and I got together a, a, a lot more when you were at 10. Uh, you're over at seven now and doing incredibly I joke uh, that I only get to catch up with Sam at the airport these days. It, it's, <laughs> it's true, so often isn't it? We, yeah. We'll share a limo from the or a car from the. Uh, oh, I'm not sharing the, many limos. I think the one time I've been in a limo is when you let me. You said, "Oh, do you need a lift?" Oh, of course he's got a limo. <laughs> no, but that, that's when we bumped into each other a yeah. lot. And I remember saying to you the last time we bumped into, you said, "How are you going, Baz?" And I said, "Oh, mate, I can see my balances out. There's yes, too much I work. There's not enough life." And, and you said, as you always do, as, as a good friend would say, mate, we've got to keep our balance. That's important. Your cat's got an Instagram account. You've got a hit song coming with the Wiggles. You're a Logie-nominated, gold Logie-nominated person. You've got an incredible segment on the on Channel 7 of a morning. Relationship-wise, though, is it in balance? Yes. It yeah, is. it's a simple answer. Uh, and that's another thing that I'm aware of more so over the last couple of years. Um uh, that's one that I don't really have a fix for at the moment. Um, but look, it's it's not like it's 
it's not like I'm um, sad about that, no. you know, because I'm lucky enough to meet so many interesting people and, you know, I'm living a fun life and I'm making the most of it. But at the same time, I'm very much open to if I meet someone who really, um, you know, really captures me, then I can make it work. I can make anything work. But yeah. I just feel that I haven't quite found that yet. Something, again, that you and I share is uh, passion and belief in uh, creating um, better mental health, particularly for men, uh, and particularly in Australia. We've both been through some experiences. Mm. You've had some some tough times with people close to you. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to. I mean, we're both obviously very much associated with you on the board with Are You OK? I'm an ambassador wearing the yellow wristband. Yeah. Wear that all the time. Um, yeah, I've lost a friend to suicide, so... That's where my passion for it comes from because I just had no, no understanding of it before that happened, and no, I was, it wasn't even on my radar. It wasn't something that I thought about. Uh, thought about. I mean, this was ten years ago now, so I think things have improved a lot in that ten years. Even in the last couple of years, yeah, awareness, definitely. things are improving. They're, they're heading the right direction. So, yeah, I take any opportunity I can to talk about it and to um, to chip away to, to help to destigmatize and I've done a few campaigns recently I did one called the imperfectly perfect campaign mm. which was quite confronting you know it's, it's basically um, with a great photographer named Glenn Marsden having photos taken when you're at your most vulnerable and you're crying you're, you're really sad he sort of puts you in a space where you get comfortable and you think about you know mental health and how it's affected you uh, and that was really difficult to do but one thing I'm learning is that um, that stuff works. It's powerful and people write to me and hundreds and hundreds of messages and it just, uh, you know, it makes someone feel that little bit more comfortable that they can speak up about it and that's what we're trying to do. Like mm. I'm, I don't claim to be a mental health expert. I'm mm. not a professional in that field. I did study psychology, but I'm not, that's not my area of expertise. But I can um, make sure someone's heard. I can give them a few things to think about and try. And more importantly, I can push them in the right direction of professionals. It's one of the reasons I share my story. I, I make no secret that in, uh, you know, I drifted into depression after a back injury and some personal issues, cancer of my wife and mum and that sort of stuff. But uh, it was asking a question and, and, uh, and someone engaging with me when I told them I wasn't doing okay uh, that got me out of that as as you and I both know now, Are You Okay Day is every day. Yeah. And there's, there's never a bad time to check in with a friend. That's right. One thing I love about TV and as a medium mm. and, and as a media, I should say, is that when it comes to things like mental health and that there doesn't seem to be any lines drawn, you and I, seven and ten and, and people from nine, we all work together for a, for a better result there. Recently, uh, Channel 10 had... Uh, I think it was 10 years at a project and you came over and sat on the panel for that. Yeah. How enjoyable is it to be invited into people's homes? It's amazing. Yeah. We've spoken about this before. Like social media, I know some people are quite critical of social media. I love social media. I, love it. Yeah. I think it's so powerful. I've made so many incredible connections through it. But if you do something on Are You OK Day or if you do something like that, the amount of real messages you get from people and you've touched their lives and you've you've actually made them feel um more comfortable with what they're going through mm. to the point where they want to tell you about it 
And that's so valuable. And we've spoken about this before. It's it's one of the things that drives me in TV and not, not necessarily always related to Are You Okay? Like something silly or funny or a segment that just made someone laugh who'd been going through a crappy week. Mm. You know, like Miguel, you know, how could you not be loving seeing him on TV on a Friday night? You know, you don't understand a word he's saying, but it's great to have someone with such energy and joy bursting through the screen. Yeah. I always say, I mean, Miguel only ever has good things to say. So if you cut out any negative, you're gonna it's going to be a lot easier to understand. <laughs> It's interesting. I had an email just the other day, Kate from Cairns. Now she sent an email. She she's struggling. Uh, there's no doubt about it, and and she's lost her pet, which was mm. a struggle for her. But she felt the best person to share that with was me. Really? And I I just get so as I know you do. You we get we're so lucky to be trusted by so yeah. many people and it's so important to give them back honesty, isn't it? I agree, and I'm very invested in that stuff. I respond to every single message. Um, sometimes it can take weeks or a month, but I make sure I read them so that everyone is seen and heard. I can't always have a full conversation, but I can very much, you know, response, mm. very brief response. But I look for TV, we've had so many amazing adventures through just responding. We had a lady who, you know, it was on a New South Wales uh, Central Coast retirement village named Carol, who was criticizing me about the color of shirt that I was wearing, <laughs> telling me that I shouldn't be wearing dirty green, as she called it. So if I hadn't have responded and you know, engaged in that message, we wouldn't have had this huge story arc that ran over a couple of weeks, which culminated in me going to the Central Coast, visiting her in her retirement village, wearing a full dirty green bodysuit mm. <laughs> and spending a morning with her. And she was actually lovely. And she liked me as a presenter, but just didn't like the green shirt. But that's real. Like that, you can't create, make no. that up. That's something, if I if I don't pay attention to those messages, I won't find those people and those characters and those stories. And, and that's what people talk about and remember. So, yeah, I really value those messages. I mean, years and years ago when we didn't have social media, do you think people who are lucky enough to be on TV got to experience what we get to experience? I, I don't think they would have had out of the volume that we have. I mean, I'm sure they would have had letters sent in, and but it's a different process. I think the, the immediacy of social media, it's like, oh, I saw that thing that you did 10 minutes ago. Did mm. you know? And then they add to it and it's almost this evolving story. Mm. So yeah, I think we're living in a, in a time where we're pretty lucky because the, the power of social media and the power of connecting with someone who lives on the other side of the world yeah. or in a part of Australia that you've never been and you can have this amazing connection uh that's awesome social media uh digital tv all these things are happening so quickly what's coming up or what's next what's the next decade look for like for sam well one thing i know is that people are always going to consume content you mm. know various types of content so obviously we know that the the goalposts might change a little bit with moving more towards online or you know, I don't know, but I do know that if you keep making good content, if you keep making interesting, interesting things, there will be a home for that. So mm. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Um, mm. And I'm still signed on my contract for another year and a half. So. <laughs> year and a half's a lifetime in TV. <laughs> I want to ask you this, Sam. You've learned so much, mm. and you've had such a full life. Mm. If in six generations from now, little Sam Mack <laughs> is twelve years old. And he's just starting puberty and he might be kicking a soccer ball around. <laughs> he might be flying spaceships. Who knows? Yeah. Then. What's the one lesson that you've learned to date that you think you need to pass on to him now because he can listen to this? I would say to back yourself in and go for it. I think that there's still um, some kids who, and we were talking about the schooling system before, it's a bit 
it's regimented, obviously, for some... I get why, but I think that if you have a crazy dream, if you have something you've always wanted to do, if you have, you know, you might live in a part of the world where it's not seemingly not possible. It is possible. So I would say back yourself in, go for it. The worst that can happen is you don't get there, but I'd much rather that than being the person who's shied away from taking those risks. So I'm a big risk taker creatively with my work. And if I hadn't taken a lot of those risks, if I hadn't said, okay, I'll go do a radio show in Perth or okay, I'll write a song and play it to the Wiggles. If I hadn't taken these risks, I wouldn't have had these amazing experiences. So that would be my advice would be go for it, back yourself in, take risks. Great advice, mate. You've been a great friend and I look forward to chatting to you again. Good on you, Bazza. My pleasure. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. Sam Mack was amazing. One of my favorite people in the whole wide world. If like Kate, you want to send me a message, send an email to hammerathome at network10.com.au. Hope you have a great week. See you soon. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I love that as well. When I first started in TV, I went into TV kicking and screaming, but uh, they got me. <laughs> I'm uh, just wondering, uh, I'd like to order a coffee. I'll, I've got a list here. I'd like a long black, uh, two flat whites. One of them skim with a sugar, uh, a raspberry and apple bread, I think. Hang and on, what? 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 What you... Ra- raspberry and apple bread. What, what are you talking about? This is a podcast studio. What, what do you? What do you mean? The sign says cafe. Oh, we forgot to take that down. This, but this is a podcast studio. All right, we're recording Ten Speaks podcasts in here. Well, I'll take one of those. All right. Well, we have the Professor and the Hack with Peter Van Onselen and Hugh Rimton, the Western Front. But this is this is definitely not a cafe. Okay. Do you feel like a silly person? A little, yes. How long is this promo going? It's going on for quite some time now.